0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, October 11th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. At noon on Friday, Sitka election officials began counting around 800 absentee and early ballots that were cast in the weeks leading up to Tuesday's municipal election. The effort took around two hours, and the results are in. Dave Miller and Kevin Mosier have been elected to the Sitka Assembly and Proposition 1, which asked voters to weigh in on the sale of the former Sitka Community Hospital building, passed by a wide margin. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports.
1: Dave Miller won the lion's share of the votes in the three-way race for two open assembly seats, earning more than 1,300 votes or around 41 percent.
2: I think everybody that I've talked to, I've told them how I what I stand for, and I I stand for, you know, the safety of the people in this community and the welfare of this community. And that's my big thing. You know, I don't have an agenda in any way. I just want this community to be the best it can be, and I think we can do that. Uh, I think it's going to take a a lot of my time. You know, I I don't think people realize how much time the members have to put in to, to make it work and to do it right. Uh, and I'm willing to, I'm ready to step up and start doing that stuff.
1: But the contest between the other two candidates, incumbent Kevin Mosher and Rachel Moreno, was neck and neck. Mosher held a 32-vote lead on election night, but it was still too close to call with so many early ballots left to count. The gap closed even more after those votes were folded in, but Mosher kept his lead, narrowly beating Moreno by just 11 votes.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm very... Uh, thankful and grateful. Um, it was a very tight race
0: and I, I'm just very grateful. And I also was thinking about it and I want to thank, you know, say thanks to Dave and Rachel for running. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Rachel would have been great on the assembly and I hope that in the future I can work with her. So I, I think that we, you know, even if I hadn't won, we would have, we would have been okay.
2: Thank you to all the voters, uh, people who supported me and and uh, I appreciate the support and the and, uh, uh, statement of trust that uh,
0: the people of Sitka are putting in me.
1: While the assembly race was tight this year, Sitkins were more unified on the sale of the former Sitka Community Hospital building. For the Proposition 1 advisory vote, around two-thirds of Sitka voters cast ballots supporting the building and property sale to the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium for $8.25 million. Search said in a statement to KCAW that it's pleased with the results and looks forward to expanding its services in the former Sitka Community Hospital building. For school board, there were no surprises once early votes were factored in. Both incumbent Amy Morrison and Todd Gebler ran unopposed for two open school board seats. Overall, Morrison received 1,340 votes and Gebler received 1,208 votes. The results will be certified at the October 12th assembly meeting. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose.
0: Three new coronavirus cases were reported in Sitka on Thursday, according to the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. Despite the new cases, Sitka's case rate dropped on Friday to 19 cases reported over the last seven days. Once that number drops below nine, Sitka's COVID alert level will shift from high to moderate. Sitka has been in high alert since July. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported 1,143 cases, 23 hospitalizations, and 5 deaths. Angoon is experiencing its first coronavirus outbreak in months. The community has reported 10 new COVID cases in the last week. According to a post on the city's Facebook page, they are awaiting more test results from public health, but anticipate there could be more cases. City officials are asking people to stay home if they've tested positive for the virus and asking residents to continue masking and maintaining social distance. Ngun's first positive coronavirus case was reported in August of 2020. Since the start of the pandemic, the community has reported 32 cases and one death associated with the virus. Ngun's election was scheduled for earlier this week but has been postponed until next month. The city office is currently closed to the public and will continue to be until the active case count comes down. This week, Sea Alaska Heritage and Hlingit and Haida will offer free classes for anyone who is interested in becoming a native youth Olympics coach. The organizations are based in Juneau, but anyone with internet access can sign up because for the second year in a row, the training is virtual. Juneau resident Kyle Worl has been coaching NYO for four years. He says the games are based on hunting and survival skills that allowed the Inupiaq people to live in Arctic conditions, like the one-foot high
2: kick. Which is... A high jump where you kick a suspended sealskin ball target and it was used long ago not only as a game but also as a form of communication across the tundra. So a high kick could signal a successful or unsuccessful hunt.
0: There's also a seal hop which is based on a technique used to sneak up on seals laying out on the ice. And Alaska isn't the only place where the games are played. Whirl says they reach as far as Canada, Greenland and Russia.
2: But in other places, they'll refer to it as Inuit games or Arctic sports. So they are games that draw origins really from across the Arctic.
0: More than 100 different Alaskan communities participate in the games. Worrell says by offering a virtual coach training, he hopes to bring it to more places. So far, people from six different time zones across North America have registered for the training. Worrell says he's found coaching to be very rewarding.
2: You're providing support for youth and a healthy outlet for them. And it's also a way that keeps me involved with my community, keeps me healthy. We encourage it for anyone that uh, may be interested to join us.
0: Registration will remain open until the day before each training session. The link to sign up is available on the Sea Alaska Heritage Facebook page. At one of his first public meetings with the Borough Assembly, Wrangell's new finance director made an announcement that shocked the Borough Assembly. Wrangell has around $24 million more in the bank than previously thought. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, the new director says he wants to help demystify the borough's finances.
3: Wrangell hired a new finance director in September, and he's already making waves.
4: Everybody wants to talk about this surprise $35 million I found, right?
3: That's Mason Valarma, who moved here from Port Orchard, Washington. He says in his first days on the job, he did some digging to see what was on the books.
4: Well. I mean I just called up all of our all of our uh, lending institutions all of our um financial institutions and investment managers investment managers and talked to them and said hey okay like what give me some background on this account balance what what were these funds initially earmarked for? Are they earmarked even?
3: He went bank statement by bank statement, then compiled a spreadsheet of the community's holdings. Et voila, the borough actually has about $35 million in total savings.
4: I like accounting. It's, it's very therapeutic in a weird way because it always works out. Um, maybe that's why I didn't really like English and everything because <laughs> there wasn't a definitive answer and it bugged me. A lot of gray area in those subjects, but uh, you know, finance, it should be very black and white. And if it's not, then there's something going wrong.
3: He didn't find anything missing. Quite the opposite, there was about $24 million more than the assembly seemed to be aware of. It wasn't actually a surprise, he says, but it does bring up some serious concerns about Wrangel's financial structure. For one, a lot of the money is sitting in accounts that are earning very little interest. When you factor in inflation, he says the community is actually losing money. And the fact that Wrangel's assembly was surprised by the number doesn't point to good communication between the finance department and the assembly in previous years. As Wrangel's new finance director, he hopes to change that.
4: But now that cat's out of the bag, like, hey, we have, you know, $24 million that's making no gains at all, um, we're we're headed in the right direction so we can kind of reinvent the wheel.
3: Villarma says the most important part of his job, besides balancing Wrangel's books, is to bring up-to-date and accurate financial data to the assembly so they can make informed decisions. Plus, he says a better informed assembly will also benefit the people of Wrangel.
4: And the citizens deserve to know, too. I mean, these are the money that they've put towards the city. So um, it shouldn't be a a game where we kind of hide what the city has because they're the guys paying into it.
3: Valarma says he sees Wrangell's finances as having three main challenges.
4: A three-headed monster.
3: The first is the borough's accounting structure itself.
4: It's kind of this mounting mess of funds and accounts, and it's just, there's been a creation of funds and accounts for no specific reason over the last five years. And so a lot of those were never inactivated. And so basically, like I said, it was kind of like a hoarder style of accounting. They just have so many accounts. It's just this web that's really hard to comprehend.
3: Velarma says one of his first priorities is to close out Wrangell's FY21 audit, which has dragged on for around 15 months, then work on consolidating the web. Second is the lack of a long-term investment plan.
4: And I think that speaks um, just to, to maybe the lack of transparency over, over the last decade.
3: It's where the tens of millions of dollars sitting in low-interest accounts come in, but investment is about more than just moving funds into a portfolio,
4: he says. You know, we have 10,000 acres as a borough that's an opportunity to do things, whether that's carbon um, emission credits or, um, you know, there's timber cruises and all that sorts of things. So, there's a lot of, lot of exciting opportunities there.
3: And the third head of the three-headed monster is the department structure.
4: When we have a little stress on our system, it kind of collapses. The bottom kind of falls out because not too many people know what the other person's job is.
3: Villarma says he admires Petersburg's finance department, where the director can give clear fund balances to department heads every day so that capital projects can be planned out years in advance.
4: We will get there. I guarantee it. We have the tools to do it. It's just going to take a little time.
3: Valarma says he hopes he can be a turning point for the city's finance department.
4: Obviously, I'm going to be able to do it by myself, but um, you know, I'm just really, really grateful for the people that have been supportive and, and very optimistic for the future.
3: In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.
0: Taking a look at the community calendar. Blatchley Water Aerobics is canceled for Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays through November 1st. The KCAW Board of Directors meets the second Monday of each month at 5 30 p.m. Contact General Manager Becky Myers at generalmanager at kcaw.org or call 747 5877 for more details. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News.
3: This is more.